Hey there. The holidays are here, so it's good to know Fred Meyer can save you some time with free pickup on all your fresh favorites. Whether your traditions call for a hearty helping of juicy ham, ample apple pie, or Aunt Sue's legendary twice-stuffed stuffing, Fred Meyer has got you covered. So order for free pickup at fredmeyer.com or the app and get more time to get your holiday on when you grab your groceries curbside. Fred Meyer, fresh for everyone. Free pickup on orders of $35 or more. Restrictions may apply. Welcome to the Everyday Mindfulness Show, the off-the-cuff exploration of everyday aha moments and life experiences. Join a cast of over 70 uniquely brilliant individuals. Each week, Mike Domish and an eclectic mix of cast members and special guests will engage in mindful and lively conversations about everything from meditation to spirituality to personal passions to successes and failures to relationships to the stuff that makes up the moments of our daily lives. Let's get started with your host, author, speaker, provocateur, and a bit of a goofball, Mike Domish. Hello, I'm your host, Mike Domish, and thrilled to be here with our cast from the Everyday Mindfulness Show. This week's cast includes Yvette Curie, Jennifer Rulon, and Robert Bradford. You can learn all about and check out our brilliant cast at everydaymindfulnessshow.com. And as with most weeks on the show, we start out with a quote. And this week's quote comes from the book, If Buddha Got Stuck by Charlotte Castle. I love the book. This quote from the book is... Clear out the chaos and make room for life. Now, with that quote, we're going to start with Robert because, Robert, I want to ask you the question How does you or anyone recognize when life or if life needs to be uncluttered? I'm going to give you three different levels of that. The first is, is the highest level, which is you feel overwhelmed, you feel stressed because there's too much in your life and that that it's obvious to everyone and certainly obvious to you when you have that kind of clutter the second is when you you commit to things that don't get done and that's a little less obvious and you may only recognize that on reflection and then the third is just when when quiet enjoyment eludes you as as part of your daily routine I, i feel like everybody needs a little bit of that every day and if if it's just go 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 and then more of that, then you've definitely got some some clutter in your life. Well, I could hear people listening right now going, oh my gosh, does 99% of, the, of our culture have clutter based on that? And I bet you would say yes. Absolutely. I, I, think, I think we live in an era where there's a, a glorification of busy, and that leads <laughs> to clutter. That you, you, you have to have something you're doing all the time. And people ask me all the time, what are you doing? What are you doing? And sometimes it's, it feels like it's not okay to say, you know, I'm not doing anything. Yeah. I love it. And and I think what's brilliant about that is, you know, sometimes when people think of clutter, they think of what's on my desk, how many papers do I've scattered around versus the need to have a busy mind, a cluttered mind that's not clear and focused. What are things that are, that all of you feel can really distract us from having a free, clear plate in our mind, at our desk, what are the things that trigger us in, back into the world of cluttered, of being cluttered? You know, example, for some people, it's social media. And we talk about that quite a bit on the show, that they feel they, they have to go check back in on social media. Or if they're not doing, like, I know people that are use workouts to clutter their life, right? If they have quiet time, they go work out. And that's an interesting, they're like, oh, no, I do it to free mind. But they have to be doing something. I'm like, well, that's not doing nothing. That's actually using 
workouts as, as another device potentially here. Uh, so what are things that everybody feels contributes to us struggling with uncluttering or just not having clutter in the first place? This is Jen. You know, it's funny you say that about the workout, but honestly, like as a Ironman triathlete, the running and the cycling and the swimming actually gets me away from the clutter because I have my own business. I run my own business, but not only am I a coach, I'm a social media person, I'm everything. And that is, that is, that's fully consuming on a daily basis. So when I need to declutter my mind, that's when I go work out because I, I don't have my phone with me. I don't have, I have my, my Garmin and, and the world and that's it. Jen, do you think that's different though than the person who, and I'm sure you run into them in your line of work too, that when there's a quiet moment, they feel a need, they must be moving. So they work out, right? That's different. You're working out, you're working out because you want that time in your day to have that decluttering and you want to train for something. You're very intentional in doing that. I'm talking the person who's almost addicted to working out because they can't have quiet time, right? If there's quiet time, I need to go for a run. If there's quiet time, I need to bike. They're avoiding that, that kind of a situation of of real quiet time. Yes. And so I wonder how many of us, when we look at it, either in the mirror or people we know that that's a struggle that, I that we add clutter to our life. Robert, you were saying this before, almost as that proud pride of being busy. So what are things that we can all think of that trigger that? So if someone's listening right now, they could go, ooh, I'm glad you said that because I do that. Or ooh, that's a trigger that, that hits me and I, I go back into this busy, busy, busy. What are triggers that we can all think of that can help ourselves and anyone listening to catch ourselves from cluttering our lives? Uh, this is Yvette. And I think anything that that decenters us adds to clutter. Anything that takes us away from from basically our our best selves, and that can be a million things. It could be social media. It could be just being busy and just tasking. Anything that pulls us away from you know when we're at our best selves through meditation or whatever that is, I think contributes to clutter personally. Well, and what I love about the conversation is we've got three very unique personalities today. So for anyone listening, Yvette is a resiliency officer in the U.S. military, works for the U.S. military in helping people deal with resiliency from being on our aircraft carriers to working with helicopter pilots. And then Jen has already explained what she does as far as a fitness coach and an athlete herself. And then we have Robert, who really comes from the strategist mindset and how the mind works. So how do each of you see this apply to your clients? Now, obviously, with you, I know you're not, we're not going to talk specifically, that'd be confidentiality, but how does this work in what you see people fall into this trap? This is what I see is it's, it's interesting with social, is social media and comparing ourselves to what this person's doing and what that person's doing. So my athletes or my clients might sit there and compare oh, well, this person's running a seven-minute mile. Why am I not running a seven-minute mile? And then they start, it's almost like a downward spiral that they get in this mind of just clutter that they're, you know, then they get in the negative space. And it just, that's what I see. And I actually ask my athletes to shut down Facebook or whatever social media that that might be their uh, choice, like by a certain time. If they're having those issues. So Jen, if they're doing that, I'm curious, let's say they shut down Facebook and all, do they still do it with the others in the gym? That I don't know. 
Yeah, because I mean, I know, I know when I go work out, you know, we're humans, right? And so that tendency to compare absolutely happens. And if we're all honest, we've all done it in some way, fashion or form. There are days where I go in and I see the board that shows somebody's goals or accomplishments that get achieved. And I'm like, oh my gosh, geez, that person's benching twice what I bench. Like, you know, your mind just is, you're impressed, but then your mind yeah. starts to go, should I? And then you accidentally sometimes fall into that. Should I be doing more? You know, versus just going right. awesome for them, which is the initial reaction. Can you just stay in that space? So I was curious if they leave the Facebook world, do they still find a way to do it somewhere else? I think not only does that add clutter, but it's an addictive thing that rolls bigger and bigger. Once you start comparing, you just, it's, it's like you can't stop, right? It's like when you buy a car and suddenly you notice all the cars like yours on the road. I think when you start comparing, the same thing happens. You start to roller, you know, snowball, I mean, into an effect of yeah. just nonstop comparison. Robert, what do you find with your clients as far as how comparison, you know, what that leads to and does that cause any issues for them cluttering their lives? Well, ab- absolutely. With business people, um, you know, they, I work mostly with C-level executives and they're all about the score to them. Uh, there's sort of an internal game they play with the world. And by getting promotions and by making a lot of money, they, they win that game. And that, that comparison that, you know, oh, I have a competition. When you feel you win something in that split second when it happens, it's like there's a, it's the same surge of hormones inside your brain that you get from opiates or something. So it is addictive. It, it is literally an addictive thing. So that's the comparison that can add to cluttering. Robert, what are some other, that was a great example, Jen. Thank you. Robert, yeah. what are some areas you see clutter being brought into the business clients that you have? Well, you know, nobody... Nobody ever comes to me and says in their strategic planning, oh, you know, we, we only have two things to do and we really need to get about 500 more things on our plate. What normally happens, because the human nature is to be attracted by the bright, shiny objects, is people just keep on loading up their plate until they realize it's full and by then it's too late. Their plate is too full and that decluttering process either has to happen or you get stuck, like you're just not making any forward progress. So it's, it's, a, it's a very, very easy thing to do, because if you think of 100 good things to do, and this is true in all of your lives, which one are you going to take off? And if I told you you can only get three things done next week, there are 97 things you're going to ignore, and they're all good ideas. Well, I love what you said there about which one do you take off, because the reality is if you have 100 ideas on that piece of paper, the real question is what three are you going to keep? isn't that the truth to to the decluttering part right is the real question is what do you keep if you could only keep three or if you could only keep two or what if you could only keep one well and it's funny you say that mike because like i sit there and i am a list writer like i will write a list and i will overload my days sometimes and if i don't see a check mark by it i'll be like oh man i didn't get it in you know, but then all of a sudden it's like, okay, just move it to tomorrow or maybe you have to move it to next week. But I think it's acknowledging that, you know what, I couldn't get those 95 things in. I only could get in 90, <laughs> you know, or whatever that might be. But I think, I don't know, I, I, it's hard sometimes to let those things go, but it's, I think time helps a lot too, just learning how to deal with it yourself. Jen makes a good point that, that, but that letting go is a skill yes. and, and you have to know that there's a value to it. And the value, you won't know the value until you do it. I mean, truly yes. let go. And here's the catch. There's the let go of, oh, I'm letting go of that for today. 
And then tomorrow it drives you nuts again. You didn't let go. That That's not letting go. Yeah. And so there's that fine line of what does let go mean? You know, I've, I've shared before on the show that about a year ago, my mastermind group said, Mike, you, what if you just took a vacation from everything except speaking and doing your unique ability and let the other people on your team do that? And what falls between the cracks means you shouldn't have been doing it in the first place. But there would not be proof in me doing that if I hadn't done it for three, six months. If mm-hmm. I had just done it for a week or two, well, you're just pulling something off for a week or two. That's not a transformation. That's not getting the idea of letting go. That's like, look, I can prove I can do it, which is another form of achievement. Like I'm just going to let go to prove I can, which isn't letting go. (laughs) And yet we do that stuff to ourselves. So I think the big question of letting go is if, if you truly let go, that means a year from now, it's not here. It's not here a week from now. Am I willing to let go at that level? Really let go. So Robert, you deal with this with business people that really struggle. I know that I've been in programs with uh, other business executives where we all team up and come together. And this is one of the biggest battles is the letting go that allows you to unclutter. You know, can you stay away from your email for 24 hours? And I was in a room with 40 top executives. I think 38 said they had never not looked at their email in five years on a single day. That That's amazing. No single day without checking in in some form or fashion. Uh, that's scary. I mean, that's a world of clutter. So what are ways each of you see that we already asked thought one, what three do I keep or what one do I keep? What are some triggers to watch for you have a cluttered life? You started to mention some earlier, Robert, right? About what are some, so what are those feel triggers? Overwhelmed. Feeling overwhelmed is an easy one. If you feel, if you just feel like you've got an avalanche of stuff hitting you every day, that, that's a good signal that maybe you ought to declutter. But that second one, you commit to things that don't get done. It's become the norm. And I, I see this mm-hmm. consistently, like 95% of the companies I work with, they want to commit to 20 things. And I know they're not going to get more than 10 of them done. And it's really hard to sort of rein in. It's like you have an appetite for, for too much. Oh, I did. I did this with my own team. So, you know, I'd be like, oh, let, and I'm going to get, let's get a book done this year and let's get new video series done this and let's launch a new website uh, to really get our mission and mission out there. Like, okay, we're going to do this. And then, you know, the, the team would come back and go, hey, Mike, where's that book? Mike, where's that thing? Where's that? Well, we got all these other things going on. So now we're doing this and now we're doing that. They're like, okay, where's that? Like, we can't follow you under this system. And it was a great wake up call for me to realize, hey, I'm not a person, my word. And I think that helps us realize like that looking in the mirror and going, I'm not being a person of integrity right now. So this idea, yes. this idea that I need to do everything actually lacks integrity because I can't. Mm-hmm. So I'm lying to someone in addition to myself. I'm also lying mm-hmm. to the other people. Robert, do you find the same thing? The truth that when you put that mirror in front of their faces or Jen, your client's faces and you go, look, are you, is, are you being honest here? Because the lies will allow you to be more cluttered. The truth will allow you to free that clutter because you can't do it. You just can't have that much happening at once. When I personally talk to my athletes and my clients about, you know what, you are not ready for an Ironman. And when, you know, what in their mind they think, well, yeah, I can do it. This is what I've been doing and this is it. But then what I like literally will write it out on pen and paper and show them where they need to be and show them where they're at, then they start seeing things, okay, I can't do that. And, you know, I, I, I'll explain to them. I'm like, look at your life. You're going through a job change. You've lost your job. You're, you're moving out of, you know, a different place. Like people just, like you said, it's that overcommitting 
and something's got to fall off the plate and they have to be okay with making that choice to do an Ironman this year or do it next year, but you have to let it go. And that's, that's a challenge for a lot of people like we talked about. Yeah, there's, there's no question. I mean, the thing I always say is statistics bear this out that, uh, companies that set objectives for themselves on average achieve about 30% of them. And part of the reason is because they don't limit the number of objectives and they keep on piling new ones on their plate. The target I work with and, and achieve with my clients is we, we like to set up to no more than 10 really solid objectives and get them done really well in the course of the year. And we find that almost everybody who follows the program can get to 80, 90% of those done. And that, that's a huge difference to go from, you know, maybe three, four, five, six out of 20 to, you know, eight or nine out of 10 is you're, you're doubling what you get done if you just limit your appetite. And would you say, Robert, that if those were individuals and not businesses, the number would be not 10, but three or four? Yeah. In my personal life, and, and I've, I've told this to a lot of, uh, a lot of people that I've worked with, I set three, I have three big things I'm going to do and do very well this year. And every month I pick three things I'm going to do to further those things. And, you know, in the beginning of the day, I say, if I, if I just get three things done that give me solid steps forward on the big things I'm working on, everything else is details. You know, that does leave my staff sometimes cleaning up some messes I leave because I don't, you know, I have a hundred things I have to take care of most days. But if I get those three things done, the, the business will take care of itself. Well, and Tony Robbins talks about that in his morning routine. He does about a 10 minute routine of sitting down and breathing and having these thoughts. And one of those three, one of the three things, he does three things in those 10 minutes. One of those three things is to think about the three things that, that I'm going to thrive. What am I going to thrive in the next 12 to 18 months? And if you do that every day and, and I started doing that, you're like, wow, this really makes me lock down. Well, What's interesting about that is what if it were the same three? And that means for your whole life. So not three for your business, three for your, that includes personal business, everything. What three would be left? It really makes you declutter because now you have to go, well, I want to do the book. Well, nope, it's not going to fit in three it, because this other thing I want to do is more important. So the book doesn't mm -hmm. fit in anymore. So that's a let go now. All right. So what would be the three in all facets of your life? You had to cut it down to three as a, as it was single individual. What would it be? So for anybody listening out there, maybe ask yourself, what would it be in my life? So if I were going to say, Hey, I wanted to, in my personal fitness, let's say it was Jen and I'm going in my trainer and I'm going to say, one of my three is that I want to be able to bench this weight or squat this weight or do whatever. Uh, I have to sit in the mirror and go, okay, at what cost? Because if that's my physical fitness goal, is that the only thing I'm going to be focused on? Maybe I don't like that anymore. Maybe I, I want to step back and go, no, I want a more overall goal, not just one singular. But other people go, no, the singular is how I work out well. You got to mm -hmm. figure that out. And that really changes your answers. Yeah. You know, I, I let myself off the hook a little bit on this. I, I usually only go as far as saying three for the year. And in my mind, that gives me the out that I can let go of everything else. Because if something rises up for me, six or 12 months from now, I can have a different three next year. Well, right. That's the cool thing about it being, well, even with the 20 Robins, right? It's 12 to 18 months. So the 12 would allow you to, to, re, to renew that after a year and create a new system, right? Every year you can change those three and update, which is a cool way to declutter. Jen, you were about to say something. Yeah. I, you know, for me, I have to admit, I, I'm a, I am an every 90 day type of person you know, whether that's three days or every quarter is sort of how I break down my business is 
you know, what do I have going on in these next three, three months? How can I make this happen? So that's how I am with my business. But the ironic thing is I'm not that way with athletics and my own journey for triathlon. So I'm not going to like, I have one big race that I know what I'm aiming for, but then I don't clutter it up with a whole bunch of other races because I know. So it's interesting, this combo, because maybe I need to relook at how I do my athletics. When I do my athletics, I do one thing and I do it well. And I, that's throughout the whole year. I'm not going to clutter my athletics and my race schedule with a whole bunch of other races just to fill up the time. But the ironic thing is that for my business, I will do quarterly goals and I'll be like every three, you know, I'll have three, three to four goals every quarter. So now I almost like I'm pretty darn successful in my athletics. Maybe I need to learn how to do my athletics with like my business. <laughs> well, I think Robert, I'd be curious because you're the strategist there. What would you say? That's an interesting development there of the 90 day in the business, but the year round in the athletics, and that's the more successful side. Mm-hmm. Well, in, in, in business, if you're thinking about 90 day targets, it tends to focus you on the tactical. And that's, you know, hit a certain revenue number or, you know, sell a new product. That's fine. But the things that build a business over a long period of time, the strategic things, you're not going to necessarily make really good headway in 90 days, because if it were that quick and easy, Mm -hmm. you know, you could actually get it done in 90 days, then anybody who's going to compete with you will just, you know, whip out and copy that, you know, 90 days from now. So it's, it's not difficult. I love this because what we're doing there is taking the clutter out, right? Because Jen, you actually have four times a year you can clutter. Yeah. But versus if you go to the year round picture, there's, you make a commitment and for that year, nothing can come in there and clutter where versus in 90 days, I can change the plan and there could be new clutter in my life. The military's actually gotten pretty progressive or as I like to say, kind of joining in with, with the times in um, combining some Eastern and Western medicine including meditation, including yoga, including Tai Chi. So they're actually implementing programs like that now to help kind of calm, calm down those levels of anxiety and uh, get people to, the, to where they have kind of a clear mind to make non-reactive decisions. So how do you, let, let's take that example. Let's say you have a military individual who's deployed. They've got their family back home. They've got a multitude of tasks they're trying to deal with on the job. So how do you help them with meditation to declutter or let any of those examples you just gave us to declutter their life and have less on that plate? Well, coming from the the paradigm that nobody's going to be fully operational if they're off center, helping them get back on center with that clear mind and going through a meditation, it doesn't necessarily have to be breaking away from the group because you can't really do that like on a ship, for example. So it's finding some workarounds to be able to take just sometimes just a few minutes to get time to themselves. I suggest they do it before their eyes even open in the morning for a minute because they're getting up so early in the morning. I'm not trying to give them uh, too much to do and then throw in some gratefulness exercises to get the mind kind of on track, which I think can be very helpful in in decluttering, um, clearing enough space to be able to handle the tasks in a proactive way. 
I, I love that. And that bringing that mindfulness throughout the day, right? And even just one minute sections versus sometimes we hear 20 minutes in the morning, 20 minutes in the afternoon. And right. they're telling mm-hmm. you, I can't get 20 minutes in my right. bunk. Forget about <laughs> meditation. I definitely don't want to give them something like that. So it's just a bite-sized manageable chunk, you know, take a minute before your day starts. Or sometimes, you know, if they can get by the water as they're kind of, kind of walking from uh, department to department, you know, they've got access to the ocean, take a look out at the ocean, take a minute, do some deep breathing exercises, get centered in their body rather than up in that headspace. That can be kind of clearing and calming for them too. Do you have yeah. techniques for when there's 10 things on their life list that they're struggling with to focus that down to two or three or one? I wouldn't call it a technique. I would I would just say the terminology and the languaging around it is is chewing is taking stuff in in bite-sized manageable chunks. Because when we we globalize and we have just kind of an umbrella of I need to do it all, I need to do everything, that's overwhelming. Taking it down to the smallest level, you know, putting one foot in front of the other and and oftentimes using sports analogies and team analogies seems to be very helpful for this population. So when you say sports, could you give us an example of how you use a sports analogy for decluttering? One example is the mental imagery of walking through a success in a sport. According to some of the research I've looked at, when an athlete goes out due to an injury or something like that, and they spend time picturing walking through kind of step-by-step, even at the most minuscule level of doing the sport successfully, doing it right, not replaying or rehearsing their mistakes, replaying how they are going to do it next time and do it better. That tends to bear out a better result when they get back into the sport. Oh my goodness, yes. Visualization in sports is, um, as a former coach, I used it immensely. When we won the state title, kid got out of the last relay, we won that relay and we won the whole state championship. And a reporter asked, what were you thinking when you dove in the water? And he was behind, he was losing at that point. And he said, oh, I knew I had it won. This is what we had visualized. Mm. which was powerful to have a, you know, an 18 year old kid look into a microphone and go, Oh, I knew I had it at that point. Everything was exactly (laughs) as we thought it would be. I was, I was built for that moment. So it was very, very cool to see the power that has, whether in a teenager or a 40 year old, 60 year old visualization is great. So I think this is a whole new element of decluttering because I think everybody could sit here, listen and think, well, what if I visualized my life simple? What would it look like? What would a life look like where I get up every day and only have three things I'm focused on in all of my life? What does it look like? Now, then you could reverse engineer that and go, how do I get there? It could be very powerful. Precisely. Putting it into those terms and then just translating that over, you know, for most recently on a military ship when they are basically tasked 4 a.m. to sometimes, you know, 16 hour shifts trying to get them to just take it one step at a time, doing it well, doing it right. Uh, There's a lot of repetition, just trying to stay away from complacency. This has been a great conversation. Is there any areas the three of you feel we still haven't addressed as far as maybe triggers that we can notice, right? We talked about, Robert, you brought up those first two, right? The overwhelm, not everything's getting done. And so people are getting, you know, you're not able to fulfill what you've said, or there's a lack of an integrity. Those are clear triggers. Any others we're missing that we can all look in the mirror and go, "Ah, I need to keep an eye out for that. That's good to be aware. And I don't mean that as in a job or an assignment, but to have an awareness. There's a quote out there that says, um, if it's not important to you, then it will become an excuse or something like that. And so I think if there's some type of clutter in your head that you're like, well, I'll get to it, I'll get to it, I'll get to it, take it off your list. Obviously, it's not that important. 
If mm. you know, you don't want to do it, just take it off your list. It's okay. Try to unclutter your list or whatever your list in your mind is. I think that's something too, that maybe it's just not important, even though it looks important because it's on your list. But if you keep pushing it, then maybe it's just not important to you. I, I think weight loss is one where people do that all the time, right? Yes. Um, I'm disappointed I'm not losing weight. I'm disappointed I'm mad at myself for not losing weight. And it would be, it would be I think it would be mm. better for them to just go, you know what? I'm going to stop saying I'm trying to lose weight. <laughs> like, I'm not. It's not mm-hmm. a priority. And I'm just using it to put a lot of negative energy in my life that I'm not doing it. So oh my gosh, yes. I'm going to out loud say, I'm not trying to lose weight. And I'm owning that. And maybe at six months, I'll come back and I'll decide I do want to lose weight and I'll commit to that because, but if I'm never working, doing the things it takes to be, to get there, it's clearly not a priority. It's like uh, a friend of mine once said, you know, where are you spending all your time? It will always prove your priorities. So Mike, if you're telling me that you're trying to get stronger, but you're telling me you don't have time for the gym, don't lie to me and tell me you're trying to get stronger. You're just lying to me. (laughs) right? You're mm-hmm. trying to speak more mm-hmm. or you're trying to write the next book. You're not trying to get stronger. Stop lying to me. You know, so uh, it's, it's that kind of, you know, freshness and honesty with ourselves. Look in the mirror and go, what am yeah. I lying about? And maybe that's a great test for decluttering. What am I lying to myself about here? That, that's adding stress that could I could remove. Well, this reminds me of what I, what I would call the Yoda philosophy of, you know, there is no try, there is just do. And I think about that in terms of uh, people looking, like you're talking about looking in the mirror and looking at what actually is rather than striving for this alternate reality. I'm trying to be here. I'm trying to be there. This is, you know, I'm trying to lose that weight or whatever. Well, what reality are we actually in right now? And embracing what actually is. I love it. And that is a great place for us to wrap up this episode. I want to thank each of you. You've been fantastic. For everyone listening, some of you might be going, hey, Mike, what is everyone's names again so we can find them? So it's Yvette Curie, Jennifer Rulon, and Robert Bradford. You're going to find all of them on our website at everydaymindfulnessshow.com where you can link to them, find out how to contact them. And for everyone out there, thank you so much for joining us. Until next time, may you enjoy everyday mindfulness in your life. Three quick reminders. One, please subscribe to the Everyday Mindfulness Show on iTunes. Already subscribed? Then encourage others to join us by inviting them to subscribe to the show. Two, while on iTunes, download all the latest episodes. Three, reviews help more people find out about the show. Would you please go into iTunes and write a review? Doing so helps spread the mission of the show. Thanks. We appreciate you being a part of our vibrant, oftentimes silly, and always vulnerable community. If you have an idea, a thought, want to sponsor the show, or just want to say hi, send us an email at listen at everydaymindfulnessshow.com and check us out at everydaymindfulnessshow.com. Have a joyful, mindful week.